This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 4th, 2023 edition, and New Year's Eve has come and gone, and we started the new trading year. And one thing is almost certain for this year that it's not going to be the same as last year. Too many people do that, right? They, they extrapolate the recent past and they think that's going to be like the recent, you know, the, the near future. And usually that's not true. Just look at the beginning of last year. Right? Was 2022 different than 2021? You, you bet it was. And so you have to reassess everything as we enter this new year. And the best sectors of last year, uh, good chance, aren't the best sectors this year and vice versa. Right? The worst sectors are probably also not going to be the worst sectors this year. And asset classes, right? Are bonds, long-term bonds going to fall by a third Probably not. May have a decent year for bonds. May have a more normal year where maybe bonds up a little, stocks down a little, or vice versa. But it's probably not going to be a year where both equities and bonds are down over 20%. Pretty rare. So as we enter this new year, you have to make sure that you look at the big picture and that first starts you with you personally. What are your goals? What are your risk tolerance levels? And last year was a good litmus test. What kind of volatility could you handle? Were you prepared for this new market regime? And then you drill down to the economic backdrop. We know we're going to a recession most likely. That doesn't mean that's the end of the world. It means that there's opportunities in a recession. There almost always are. Great opportunities. And it's your job, it's our job as professionals to identify those opportunities. And the opportunities that fit your particular risk profile. If you're in retirement, you're focused on income. Your opportunities might be in the corporate bond market, you know, now that you can yield 7 8% per year. Whereas somebody who's younger, their opportunity set might be small and mid-cap stocks in particular sectors that are going to benefit from deglobalization, for example. So your cousin's opportunities and your friend's opportunities and your neighbor's opportunities are probably going to be a bit different. And so that's that's why you always have to step back. And a lot of people get caught up in the minutia of a story, 
an article they read, something they saw on TV, something their cousin or their friend uh, emailed them about or told them about. And your first job is to say, is this the type of investment, the type of risk that's right for me? And then you have to look at what's the downside? What's the upside? Is there more downside than upside? If there is, probably shouldn't invest in it. You want more upside than downside. So these are the ways that you need to think about the opportunity sets as we enter 2023. So that's what I'm here to help you do. Determine the right path for you. I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio and develop strategies and thus make smart decisions. So I look forward to doing this Invest Talk podcast because I love hearing your finance and investment questions, which you can ask right now on our anytime listener line, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 888 chart is the number. Or you can call live, four to five Pacific time and talk to me directly. Now, my main focus point concerns higher mortgage rates and the fact that they're hitting home prices. So we're going to look at some data there. Also, as we enter this recession, who's going to be hurt the most? Well, hint, it might be a little different than previous recessions, meaning the wealthier are feeling it more than they have in previous recessions. So we're going to look at that. Also, where are layoffs being concentrated? Well, technology. We had another another headline today. Salesforce laying off 10% of their workforce. So we're going to look at that data. And then lastly, what type of currencies are likely to do better? Well, commodity-type currencies. Commodity-backed. It doesn't mean that they're backed one for one for by a particular commodity, but maybe a country, right, that has a lot of commodity resources. So we're going to look at uh, that story. But ultimately, it's about you. It's about answering your voice bank questions, which we're going to get to. One is on money market funds as well as Shopify. As Then we're also going to take some iTunes review questions as well. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, And of course, your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Now let's go to our first listener question. It's a live call from Chris in Missouri. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. You're looking, uh, can you tell me the company you're looking at? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, it's uh, it's BP, um, BP PLC, uh, British Petroleum. I actually own um, about 800 uh, shares. Okay. And it was purchased during the dip uh, near COVID. Okay. And I'm just wondering, um, should I hold on to it? Uh, it has a pretty decent dividend or with with the gains that I have now, which would be long-term capital gains if I sell, should I sell? Uh, the simple answer is yes, not because I don't like the space. Obviously, I like the, the energy space. But BP, just look at the BP oil spill. It was a decade or so ago. Um, they're, they're just poorly run, uh, historically compared to a lot of the other bigger guys within the space. So, you know, if you run just like a ratio analysis of VP to XLE or ExxonMobil or Chevron, VP just underperforms. 
Uh, and they've also shifted away from reinvesting in new supply, right? They're going more towards the green side. Um, and, you know, that's a less profitable uh, side than, than drilling for uh, hydrocarbons. So you've had a good run. You have long-term gains. What I would do is sell it, move that into a, a better oil play that is historically better run, that is still reinvesting in new supply and, 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 and not just uh, focusing on taking all of their cash and throwing it into uh, the green economy, which is, you know, you can argue from a societal standpoint, whether that's good or bad, but from a business standpoint, clearly that's not that great. So, uh, so I would definitely be selling and moving it over to a better oil and energy play. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for the call. Now, it's Invest Talk Wednesday. The markets are constantly changing, so you must have finance and investment questions you want answered. And so I will be doing uh, that along with my pledge to provide my best unbiased guidance. So give Invest Talk a call now at 888 chart. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know. Building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. It's a new year, but you've got finance and investment questions, so Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Now my focus point concerns this headline. Higher mortgage rates and consumer worries are hitting home prices, and this is according to the let's see, Core Logic and they reported prices for November. They're still about 8.6% higher from a year ago, right? Or uh, November of 2021. But it's the lowest rate of appreciation since November of 2020. And prices are now 2.5% below their spring peak. So this is when you talk about base effects. You really have to understand them in context. Because... Yes, a year ago, uh, they're up, but over a six-month period, seven-month period, they're definitely down. And they're expected to continue to move lower this year, uh, mainly because mortgage rates still remain elevated. Now, they hit a high of about 7.37% at the end of October, but they fell to about 6.13 by mid-December. So a month and a half later, pretty nice drop in interest rates. But now they're back up to about six and a half percent. So sounds better than seven, seven and a half, which we were, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, the early fall. But still way elevated from the three percent rate a lot of people got used to for a while. And 
like I've said, I've said this is going to be a multi-year correction. You still don't see inventory rising dramatically, very modestly, depending on you know what city you're talking about. Uh, and some cities are getting hit harder than other. So Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, they had the highest home price gains because people are moving to the Sun Belt from higher cost areas like Washington, D.C. That, as of November, was, prices were only up 1.2% there. So it just goes to show you that it's a very bifurcated market. It's still a market that is in transition. And don't expect prices to turn around and go up anytime soon. Unless mortgage rates go back to four, which I don't see that happening either. So it's a market that you can be patient if you're a buyer of real estate. You want to get in to buy. Um, you know, you want to be looking at all of the check marks, right? What are the very important things that you want uh, for a house? Location, size, amenities, how updated it is, land, etc. And if you're going to buy, you want to make sure all those boxes are checked because you don't want to turn around two years from now, three years from now, say, I want to sell, I want to go move somewhere else. I didn't really like exactly what, what I bought. And now you're underwater. That's the risk. It's the big risk. Now, over 10 years, probably, you know, you'll probably be fine. Uh, so you need to be comfortable owning any property for a long period of time. If you're looking to sell, while prices have come down, I think there's still some correction to be done, especially uh, those rental type homes. If, you're in a, if you own a bunch of rentals, you maybe some of those rentals are not working out so well based on location, renters, etc. Probably still a good time to sell. And remember, you can get much better rates in the bond market, for example, than you can uh, in the rental market. So uh, that's a big decision a lot of investors are making. Now let's pivot over to another caller. This is Joseph in the Bay Area looking at Apple. Hi, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. You uh, you want to buy Apple? Uh, yes, but I, um, for to begin with, uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. And uh, for you and as, as well as uh, Kevin, uh, Steve, thanks for a long, long time listener. Appreciate it. And uh, asked a question a few times and get a good answer from you guys. And the okay. service for the public is marvelous. No problem. No problem. Now so you're looking at I Apple. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own it. And okay. then I um, asked you a few weeks ago so that I knew it's going down, it, which it did. But what is um, the outlook you have for Apple? Because it seems like uh, it breaks for last year, the bottom portion of the stocks. But now it's, it seems like to me in the high volume yesterday, it's going down. And what is your opinion regarding this issue of the Apple? Thank okay. you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it looks like we are coming up on a break, though, so I'm going to have to address this question after the break. Now, Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love taking your live calls as well, just like Joseph did. So our number never changes and it never closes. So give Invest Talk a call at 888 chart and after the break, I'm going to get to Joseph's question on Apple.
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, before the break, Joseph was asking about Apple. And from a technical perspective, it's at some major support right around 126. I did test this area back in June, not quite all the way there. Uh, so, you know, it makes it a little bit less strong than it would otherwise. But uh, the next big level is going to be about 109, which is, you know, decently about $17, $17 below here, call it 15% lower. I think there's a potential for that if you get a much broader sell-off in uh, the markets. I think it, it, I think it could get there. Uh, our value is closer to 165, so uh, we we like Apple. I've said this for a long time. Apple of the Fang names, clearly the best franchise. Was never really trading at egregious valuations. Um, you know, it's it's it got to 180. Two, yeah, one eighty-two and change. So that was a bit overvalued then, um, but right now one twenty-six, it, uh, we, we like it, and it's at some major, uh, some good support. Once again, the big, big support though would be at one oh nine, and I think it's a, it's a steal at those prices. But we'll see if we get there. It would take a much broader market sell-off. Right? Now, I'll be take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes. We'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Beirut Don says, I'm curious about your thoughts on TWI, Titan International. They are a 130-year-old tire and wheel industrial company in the agricultural space and seem to be overlooked. With a P of 6 and the ag space at about 17 average, they seem to have some room to run. At what price would you exit the position? All right. So this is Titan International. And the chart looks fine. It actually had a nice move up in mid-December, and it's been consolidating that ever since. So definitely, I would say, I would say uh, on the chart, it's neutral on the medium term. In short term, it looks pretty bullish. So I like that. Now, what they do is they manufacture off-highway wheels, tires, and assembly products for the agriculture and earth-moving construction business. And uh, I like that. Revenue is up 18% last quarter. Uh, earnings growth is supposed to slow from 161% this year to only 5%, uh, excuse me, 161% last year. Remember, a lot of these numbers aren't fully uh, reported for uh, last year because we still have the fourth quarter to report. So uh, a lot of these are still estimates. But for this year, expected to increase earnings by about 5%. No dividend, which I'm fine with, uh, about a billion-dollar market cap. Let me look at their, their profitability here. Let's go here. Okay. So very minimal debt, about $200 million, uh, based on a billion-dollar market cap, not too bad. Free cash flow, $68 million, trailing 12 months. I like that. Return on equity right now is 63%. Uh, historically, it hasn't been that good. So here's my issue with it, is why is it earning such high profits? Because if you look at the history before COVID, they were losing money a lot of years. They were a little bit profitable in 2018, but you know, 2020, 2019, 2017, 2016, and 2015, they were losing money. And now they're making money. Why is that? Now they're repurchasing shares, about $50 million worth. I like that. But I really need to understand the bump in profitability and if that is sustainable. 
if it if you feel it's sustainable for whatever reason, I, I, then I would buy it because I I like the technicals, I like the fundamentals of it today, but I don't like the history of it pre-COVID, and I would need to know and be confident that something major has changed. Let's go to Mike in Michigan, looking at NTB Bank of NT Butterfield. Never heard of this one. Can you tell me about it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. This uh, It's an offshore bank based in uh, Bermuda. Okay. And um, I have a small position in it, about 1%. I'm kind of underweight in the financial sector, so I was trying to add some banking stocks. And this mm-hmm. one looked interesting. The, the question that threw me on this one and I'm looking for, you know, maybe some education on it is the enterprise value. It does pay a decent dividend. It's like over 5%, but then they seem to be covering it okay. Um, the, the thing that throws me is the enterprise value is negative. So I was looking for a little clarification on that. Yeah, sometimes enterprise value, because it's a, an accounting metric, um, can be a bit skewed. Um, I'm trying to see what long-term debt. Yes, they have this large amount of shareholder equity, um, and I think that's what's throwing this off here. Um, I, you know, the for the financial companies, it, it you probably don't want to use uh, that. Doesn't really tell me a whole lot. You know, I'd be looking at profitability metrics, return equity, return assets, um, and those are those are fine. Those are consistent. Uh, the return equity over the last, let's see, seven or six seven years, about nineteen percent. I like that. I like that profitability. Uh, now it is more of a wealth manager. Uh, it's a private bank, uh, and so you know this is a uh, type of company the wealthy will uh, deal with because they're in the Cayman Islands, uh, and so you know there's some risk here with that. Uh, and I don't love the technicals. I will say that the uh, if you look at the the chart, it's. I mean, it's definitely in a downtrend. It's underperforming the sector as a whole. So that's would be my hesitation is why is this underperforming so much? Uh, and I don't love that area of the business right now. You know, I like the insurance business, 401k management, that in the healthcare, in, in the, sorry, in the, in the financial space, those are the type of companies I'd be looking for. This one, a little bit too murky for my liking and I don't like the technicals. Thanks for the call. Now the next... <clears throat> Excuse me, on the next and best talk, the story behind this headline. 2022 was a brutal year for stocks, bonds, and crypto, which we're going to get to tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members? or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. 
You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's a new year. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, Tyler from Kansas City. Thanks again for all that uh, you do. Uh, today I'm calling, asking about money market mutual funds. The one particularly that I'm looking at is P is in Paul, C is in Charlie, O is in Oscar, X is in X-ray, X is in X-ray. Are there positives, negatives, risks? Doesn't seem to be any risk to these things other than the rate going down, something you'd have to look at from time to time. They're paying over 4%, including expense ratios right now. I just have some money I need to park until April, and this seems like the best fund that I can find. Let me know what you think. All right, looking at the Federated Hermes Prime Cash Fund. And this is an active money market fund. Historically, you know, you're going to get a little bit better return. And you see that from this name. Over the last 10 years, they've returned on average about 0.8%, right? An environment where rates were basically zero. The category as a whole earned 0.62%. And pretty much every you know length of time, five years, three years, one year, three month, one month, you're getting better than the average money market fund with this. Uh, now, there's they are active, uh, so they're looking at a better risk-adjusted return for short-term 
debt instruments like corporate bonds, treasuries, etc. And it's well regulated now, you know, breaking the whole breaking the buck thing from 08 uh, was was a big issue. So I don't think you really have credit risk here. But like you said, if uh, interest go down, then the, the, the rate here could go down as well. Um, I have no problem with it. Uh, you probably should compare it to a high yield savings account that you can get good for plus percent sometimes uh, in this market. But um, if you can't find better than this, this is a perfectly fine money mark to market to uh, park some cash in for a few months. That was PCOXX is the symbol. Now let's touch a bit on this recession that we're likely to get. Excuse me. Something's stuck in my throat. Give me some water. There we go. Okay, I'm back, I think. Okay, so we're entering a recession, mild recession, most likely. But this will be likely different than previous recessions. And it's going to be one where the wealthier feel it more than the poor. And there are many reasons for this. Now, first would be the stimulus checks that went out in 2020 and 2021 to pretty much everybody, mainly the poor. And that helped their balance sheets. And if you look at the data, the net worth of households in the bottom fifth by income were 42% higher in the third quarter than at the end of 2019 and up 17% from the end of 2021. But those in the top fifth their income or their net worth was only 22% higher than before the pandemic. And it was actually down 7.1% from the end of last year. Or end of 2021, excuse me. I have to get used to that. So you see that big difference from the top quartile to the bottom quartile, or yeah, bottom fifth. The net worth of the poor about double the growth from the wealthier since pre-pandemic. And the Atlanta Fed measures show the average annual monthly wage growth for workers in the top quartile were only 4.8% versus the bottom quartile was up 7.4%. Now, recent layoffs are affecting high-income workers. Tech companies, especially, which we'll talk about probably a little bit later, they've had a litany of layoffs and filings are showing that those large corporations, large tech companies like Facebook or Meta, they make on average or median about $295,000 as of 2021. So when they're the ones that are mainly getting laid off, that's clearly the top income bracket. The median worker at Twitter makes $232,000. So both of those, along with many other, including Amazon, are typically making $200,000 plus per year. And when they go and get new jobs, which they are, they typically are getting new jobs. They're not getting paid as much as they were at the old ones. And on top of that, their stock-based compensation 
which is a big part of why a lot of younger people go and work for the big companies. They want their stock options. And that was great when stocks were going up. And you know, that, that was a big reason why real estate prices in the Bay Area were going crazy. It's because so many of the workers were cashing out seven-figure checks because of their stock options. And they were just putting it right in cash on a house. Right? So that's kind of gone away. Because there aren't a lot of tech companies whose stocks are going up now. And in November, the leisure and hospitality sector was 980,000 jobs short of its February 2020 employment levels, which means that a lot of people left kind of the blue-collar workforce for the tech space. Why? Because they want to work remote. And so that's why those in the lower income bracket, they're still working in those leisure and hospitality sectors, for example, they're making more money because there's less competition. A lot of people switch careers, right? If you're a waiter, waitress, you can work for probably six, six, nine months. What did you go do? You went and looked for an alternative transition time. And a lot of that was hiring in the tech space. And many of those didn't come back. The healthcare sector, that didn't recover its pre-pandemic levels till September of last year. So the shortage of workers are of those workers that are typically making less money. And so they're naturally going to get better wage growth than those in the top quartile, which now there's an oversupply. Not only because a lot of people moved into that space, but because the sector is laying off in a big way. So this is going to be a very different recession. The wealthier going to be hurt a bit more than, than typical. Let's go to Richard and Cupertino. He wants to talk about HBI. Yeah, um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm missing on that one. Uh, HBI is a relatively cheap stock, uh, but it's got the PE is like six. It pays over 9% dividend. It looks like it can support the dividend. I'm going, what am I missing here? Every, well, at least I hope everyone wears underwear. Well, this is very simple. Number one, debt. They have a lot of debt in their balance sheet, about $3.3 billion net debt on the market cap of $2.5 billion. And they are still profitable, but their profitability continues to go down. In 2017, they made $1.93 per share. Last year, they're expected to make $0.97 cents a share, the same with this year. Um, so the issue is most of that earnings and cash flow is going to go towards paying down debt, and now cost of debt is going up. Okay. And then on top of that, yes, people are still wearing underwear. But now, it used to be Hanes brand. You go into Macy's, you go into Nordstrom's, you go into the... Walmart, they only carry a handful of brands, right? They're going to carry Hanes, right? Hanes is the underwear brand. They might have carried some other ones, but they had very limited set of competitors because they're only going to, those, those retailers are only going to hold a handful of, of brands and they were pretty much in all of them. But now what happens when more and more people are shopping online, they're 
seeing ads on Instagram and Twitter, et cetera, and they're buying these mom and pop type of uh, underwear brands. Now, suddenly, and then they're on Amazon, right? Buying, they can go and search for dozens and dozens and hundreds of different types of uh, underwear brands. Now, suddenly, they're no longer only one of a couple. They're one of many dozens. Still have a good name, but that's the issue here. Is their margins continue to get squeezed? Their competitive, competitive landscape continues to get more difficult? And they have a lot of debt that they need to carry. So that's what you're missing here is the competitive landscape and the amount of debt they have on their balance sheet. Now it is getting a nice bounce here recently. I'd have to see why that is, what was the catalyst. So could you see a near-term continuation of this bounce? Sure. Especially after the end of last year, probably about a tax loss selling. This was down dramatically. It started the year last year around $16 and change and ended the year at $6. So a lot of people taking uh, tax losses at the end of last year. So you might get a relief rally here, but I don't think that changes the competitive landscape that they're dealing with. So uh, not something that I would own with HBI. Now, from time to time, we also receive InvestTalk questions via web form. Here's one that came in earlier. Andrew from North Carolina says, I look forward to the show every day. I'm trying to figure out if Columbus McKinnon Corporation CMCO is near an attractive level for long-term position or if I should look elsewhere in the sector. Would love to hear your expert opinion on it. This is Columbus McKinnon Corp, CMCO. It has rallied off a low around $24 in October. Now we're at 32 and change right sitting just above the 200-day moving average. Technicals are improving, but still not fantastic. Earnings last quarter up 4%. Revenues down 1%. So growth has certainly slowed. Now, what do they do? They manufacture material handling systems and component parts for commercial and industrial markets. Let me take a look at my other platform here. Sometimes the descriptions are a little more opaque than I'd like. Okay. Designer, manufacturer, and marketer of intelligent motion solutions, including motion control products, technologies, automation systems, and services. Oh, interesting. I like the space that it's in, right? Industrial, heavy construction. That's good. Let me look at its history here. Doesn't have a ton of debt, a little bit of debt, about, call it, 400 million net debt on a one point, about a $1 billion market cap. A little bit of debt, but not terrible. Return equity right now only 5.8%. Historically, is average right around this level. 6 7%. I don't like that. I don't like how low of a profitability uh, profile this has. Return on assets have averaged right around 2, 2% over the last decade. So that's my issue here. I don't love that profitability. Dividends about a little less than 1%. Can certainly pay that. Certainly uh, is fine there. Uh, and growth is slowing. So, you know, doesn't get me excited, to be honest with you. I'd be, I'd be looking elsewhere in the industrial space. I don't like the, the, the history or lack thereof of consistent and strong profitability. It's been relatively consistent. Just 
at a low level. So I want one something that uh, at least is in the teens uh, in return equity over the long term, and that's what I would be looking for. Now let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Paige. I'm calling from Silicon Valley, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about Shopify. I don't think I've ever taken notes from your show about that stock, but it is something you guys had an ad for for a long time. Curious if you'd buy it at these levels and um, where you might feel comfortable getting in on the stock Shopify. Thank you. Love your show. All right. Yeah, we do have Shopify as one of our advertisers and good company. My girlfriend, actually, she has a skin line and she uses Shopify. It's, it's a great platform. I have a friend who uh, runs a warehouse, uses a lot of uh, Shopify websites to um, integrate with their back end, et cetera. Good company. The debt doesn't always mean it's a good investment. It also depends on the price, right? And that's the issue with Shopify is it's still very expensive. I know it's down 73% from its 52-week high, but I think it's going down a lot more. Why? Because it's supposed to lose money last year once they finally report Q4. And it's only supposed to make $0.04 cents a share this year. And earnings are – revenue growth is slowing. And remember, this is all about online sales, and online sales are, are ebbing now that the pandemic is pretty much behind us. Now, the good thing is they don't have a lot of debt, very minimal debt, so I like that. And they are becoming more profitable, but they're still not profitable. Uh, and and that's the issue. And price sales is still nine times, still nine times, which – if you ever listen to the show, you know anything over 10 is difficult to make money, right? Difficult to grow into that valuation. Uh, many stocks last year, 2021, were trading at 20 times sales, which is egregious. And, and uh, that's why many of those have been cut in half and more. And so I think Shopify, it's on my watch list. Like I, I would love to own it because I do think it's a good company. I, I would love, let me see that. I would love to own it at some point once they show that they can turn their revenue growth into consistent profitability. And I think they have the brand, the infrastructure to do that. But they haven't shown that yet. That hasn't shown up in the numbers. And that's my issue. And they continue to just issue more and more shares, which I don't like. So company I'm monitoring, but... Nothing about it right now lines up and says, this is a good time to buy. I would pass on owning Shopify. Good company, though. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Duncan here from New York. Again, thank you for all that you do. I'm looking to put something into my Roth IRA and just kind of set it and forget it. So after learning everything about your show... I liked how you guys said that we should be focusing more on small cap stocks. I would like to just focus on an ETF. I was looking at all the Vanguard ETFs, and I see that most of them, for example, VBR, which is the Vanguard small cap value ETF. I was looking at their industry exposures. They have banks, real estate, 
And they also have like oil and gas. It's mostly North America. So I thought this was a good one. But then I was thinking if energy was doing so well, so why don't I look at a small cap energy? So what do you guys also think of Invesco small cap energy ETF? And what that is, is PSCE. Thank you for all that you do and uh, looking for the advice. Have a great night. Bye. I love this call. He's taking what I've been saying to heart and looking at the right areas of the market, small cap on the value side, looking at energy. And so the big question more, if you're going to set it and forget it, you're going to probably want a bit more diversification than just an energy-focused ETF. Uh, so the VBR is a good way to go. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't have a ton of energy exposure, only about 6.5%, which is a little bit higher than the S&P allocation to energy, but not dramatically so. This has 20% industrials, which I really like. Only 7% technology, which is good, right? Underweight compared to you know the S&Ps in the, in the low 20s on the technology side. Financial services, 21. Uh, real estate, 10. I think I think I like the mix overall much better than, than the S&P, for example. So this is a good place to go if you're looking for diversified exposure. Now, PSCE, the Invesco S&P Small Cap Energy Fund, that one is a good complement to this because it is able you're able to increase your allocation to uh, the energy space by adding this as well. So if you're going to set it and forget it, I think whatever capital you have available, and a lot depends on what other, uh, other uh, assets you own in that portfolio, but you know, having the majority of what you're going to allocate to VBR, I think that makes sense, maybe 85, 90% of whatever capital you're looking to deploy, and then the balance in that PSCE. So that's the way I would I would do it. You get that broad diversification, but you can kind of supercharge your uh, energy exposure with that PSCE. So great call, great question, and hope that helped. Now, lastly, let's talk a bit about the the tech slump not just in the stocks, but in employment as well. Now, collectively, employers in the tech sector cut more than 150,000 jobs last year. And that compares to only 80,000 layoffs between March and December of 2020, so kind of that post-COVID period, and only 15,000 in total of all of 2021. So 10 times the amount of layoffs from 2021 to 2022 within the space. And this was driven a lot by companies like Meta, Laid off 11,000. That was announced in November. Amazon, 10,000 job cuts that they announced. And then Salesforce, that, that doesn't even count in this number because they just announced that yes, last night, today, you know, just over the last uh, 24 hours or so. And many tech companies added a ton of workers because of strong revenue growth, rising share prices. So it was easy to attract workers. Hey, we're going to give you some uh, uh, stock-based compensation. And... Companies leaned on a technology to help them through the pandemic, which means those companies that could deploy uh, advertising, for example, within the, to, to help retailers shift their focus from big box in-person shopping into online uh, in a big way. And that pushed so many, so much demand for new workers within the space. But now those businesses are laying off employees, are implementing hiring freezes, cutting costs, and they're spending, you know, the spending on the digital advertising and tech products is slowing in a big, big way. So about 79% of workers recently hired, though, after a tech company layoff, 
land a new job within three months. So that's the positive here is the job market, while weakening, it is weakening, but it is still relatively strong. And if you have a good resume, there's still places for people to work. But that's why I say recession this year, likely, but probably more mild because it's unlikely to be a, an environment where layoffs are, are massive and the unemployment rate you know, goes to double digits. It's just we don't have the demographics for that anymore. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And we've now surpassed the 48.5 million download mark thanks to you. And hopefully by the end of this quarter, we'll be at 50 million. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.